too. Actually, let me let me get this going. Get it together, homie. Get it together. Down, up, bam. Oh, oh, we're already rolling. I didn't even see the recording going. Hey, welcome back to the episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron, and it is September tenth, twenty twenty-one. And uh, man, today was a good day overall. Overall, I felt like my uh, patience was being tested in a lot of ways, but I'll save that for another day. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I won't go into detail on that because then we'll this uh, this episode will be longer than in the last one that went for an hour. So, all right, let's jump. Let's go right into the word before we go into Ruth two. I want to read part of Psalm eighty one, and then I feel lead, led to read part of John ten. And I'm just going to pray through it. And then whatever revelation or if the Lord speaks to you in any way, take what you want from it. Um, ask the Lord specifically, is there anything from what was shared from those two scriptures that he wants to say to you? And just allow, yeah, allow him to speak to you. So here we go. We'll go we're going to read Psalm 81, this verse 6. 6 through 16. I relieved, I heard in unfamiliar language, I, and this is a Psalm of Asaph. I'm going to read this Psalm 81, verse 6 through 16, and then I'm going to read John 10, verses. What are we going to do? Verses uh, 26. Yeah. All right, here we go. I heard in unfamiliar language, I relieved his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from carrying the basket. You called out in distress and I rescued you. I answered you from the thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah. Listen, my people, and I will admonish you. Israel, if you would only listen to me, there must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up, up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. If only my people will listen to me and Israel will follow my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord will cower to him. Their doom will last forever. But he would feed Israel with the best wheat. I will satisfy you with honey from the rock. So that is, that was Psalm 81, verse 6 through 16. And then I'm read John 10, verse 26 through 30. It says, but you don't believe before that. Hmm, I got to back up a little bit so you have a little context. So Jesus at the festival of dedication, and I'll start at verse 22 through 30. Then the festival of ded dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. As if he didn't already do enough to prove that he was the Messiah, even though he, had, he didn't have to prove anything. Anyway, verse 25. I will tell you, and you don't. I did tell you, 
and you don't believe. Jesus answered them. I, I'll, read, I'll say it again. I did tell you, and you don't believe. Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Heavenly Father, I uh, just pray as I marinate on this, these two scriptures and the people listening, listen, marinate on, the, let those scriptures marinate in their minds. I pray, God, that you would give, give us all divine revelation on what these scriptures mean uh, in a fresh way. If And um, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, transform our minds, transform our hearts. Lead us, guide us, help us to really discern your voice, to really... Um, to really hear and know your voice or the way a musician, a piano player, organist plays the notes on a, on a, on a, or any type of saxophonist, trumpet player, any musician who hears the notes and then they are able to sing them and also play them and uh, play by ear, God. Just that in-tuneness that a musician will have with their instrument. I pray that we will be your instruments, Lord, and there will be this in tuneness that we have with you, God. I don't even know if that's a word. I probably just made that up. In tuneness. Anyway, God, uh, just pray that we would be on the same page as you, Lord, and that we would experience that Psalm 81 blessing uh, that if we would listen to you, God, and uh, obey you and follow you, that our enemies would be subdued and that you would satisfy us, satisfy us with those things that we desire to be satisfied with the things that we actually need and the things that we want um, that are going to be beneficial to us to be beneficial to our destiny to be beneficial to our our uh, universal calling and our specific calling so in the name of jesus i pray we go into ruth i pray that we ruth chapter two that i pray that it will also speak to our hearts grow us transform us and help us, our minds to be renewed. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. All right, Ruth chapter two. Yeah, I ended my day a little early today, partly because I was a little frustrated with those last few deliveries. And also, I just felt in my spirit I need to stop. And I have a long day ahead of me tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, today was a good day though. Today was a good day. Every day is a good day. Any day I'm alive and I'm breathing, and I'm able to, to talk and walk and not pooping on myself. Like, hey, not not to badmouth anybody who is out there pooping on yourself. Um, but I say that all to say, like, we just should all count our blessings. I know people say it all the time as a cliche, but really, that whole T-shirt they used to say, or people would always say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Like, I have to constantly remind myself of that. We are too blessed to be stressed at all. All right. Ruth and Boaz meet. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. Here's the star of the show. There should be some special music that comes on when Boaz 
enters enters the story. What kind of music would he have playing? Like some old Isaac Hayes, I don't know. I don't know, is this some smooth jazz or something like that? Some 70s type music. I don't know. Boaz would just have some cool I'm he would have some cool music playing. If this was like a little show or a movie. Alright, verse two. The Ruth, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, Will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? This is an interesting question that she would ask. Naomi answered her. And it's interesting that she asked asked permission. She had she had respect for Naomi. Naomi answered her, "Go ahead, my daughter." So Ruth left, because I'm pretty sure ne- Ruth was an older woman by now. I don't know how old, but she wasn't like she was no spring chicken. I don't know when she was a teenager. Because she had been married before. She was a widow. Or. Yeah. yeah she was a widow. All, both of them were widows. Naomi answered her. Go ahead my daughter. So Ruth left. Hold on. Was Naomi a widow? It doesn't. I don't think it said anything about. Naomi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was a widow too. Her husband Elimelech died. And she was left with her two sons. And then her sons died. Yep. So they were both widows. I I figured that already, but I wanted to double check. Some things I can just do a quick check on. Some things I have to like make a mental note or write a little note to look it up later. All right. Naomi answered her. Go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth left and entered the field to gather grain behind the harvesters. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. See that she happened, she just so happened to be positioned positioned. I'm gonna put positioned by God in here in my notes. She happened to be in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from Elimelech's family. She's in the right position, right place, right time. And Boaz just happens to be from her mother-in-law's family. Later, verse four, later when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, he said to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Hmm. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. He said to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. And then they replied, the Lord bless you. Boaz asked his servant who was in charge of the harvesters. Whose young woman is this? The servant answered. You notice he says, whose? Who does she belong to? The servant, verse six, the servant answered, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? 
she came she came and has been on her feet since early morning except that she rested a little in the shelter <laughs> she rested a little hmm yeah back then they used to work early in the morning before sunrise and try to get as much work as they could my brother and I were just talking about that how we work way more harder here in North America than we should uh, I wonder how how many hours they used to work a day back then because I don't think they worked nearly as eight hours I think they worked less hours than that because a lot of times they would get, get all out of their work done before the sun would come up and they took rest they would take naps <laughs> you know, we could learn a lot from them alright then Boaz said to Ruth listen my daughter don't go and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one but stay here close to my female servants. See which fields they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. There's a lot going on here. Why would he say, haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? As though that was an issue. I guess yeah, Boaz had issues with his uh his workers touching the women out there and making advances, sexual harassment. I'm I'm making assumptions here, so don't don't uh attack me. I'm uh <laughs> I like to just read into the text here because like just on my own, just to, just to kind of imagine what it was like, what was going on, what they're saying here. It's stuff that I need to research more later. See if there's anybody else that has insight on what was going on. She fell face down, bowed to the ground. She fell face down and bowed to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? Boaz answered her, Everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. I don't think I caught this the first time. So in this divine appointment, this is why it's so key. When you're doing things out here, you don't know who is watching you. Like not to say we do stuff just because people are watching and we're trying to put on a show. It's like character reveals itself, even whether it's good character or bad character, whether you display, yeah, good character traits or bad character traits. God is always watching. God is the ultimate one that we should care about. His opinion is the one we shouldn't care about. I mean, to an extent, you should value other people's opinions and, and thoughts, especially people that are your mentors or people that you look up to that speak into your life. But we should value God's opinion ultimately of us. And as you can see here, a couple things going on. Ruth did something that she felt in her heart, in her soul, in in her gut, whatever you want to say. She felt that it was gonna it was gonna it was a good decision for her. She made a quality decision that wasn't just and when she made that decision to stay with Naomi she wasn't just thinking about herself she was thinking about Naomi and serving Naomi and in that 
in the work that she did to serve Naomi, she was being talked about apparently in the community because I'm sure Boaz, there was rumors going around. Hey, have you heard about, I'm assuming there was rumors going around like, Hey, Naomi's back. Cause you remember they like made a big old celebration celebration when she came back and she was and they and they were and she was like hey don't call me Naomi call me Mara because I'm very bitter anyway the whole town was expecting Naomi so she was a celebrity or famous in that town when she came back to uh was it Bethlehem yeah Bethlehem yep comes back to Bethlehem so people are talking people are talking like and oh by the way you see that woman out that beautiful woman I was with with her her daughter-in-law, Ruth, you know how women, uh, well, not just women, everybody be talking. People love to gossip and talk. And uh, I'm sure they'll be like, yeah, she, you know, th- uh, she's a widow, they're both widows and and all that. And and I'm sure people were like sailing Boaz, because Boaz is single over there. Like, hey, Boaz, hey, Ruth is in town. She's a great woman. She's a great catch for you. She's a she's a servant. That's something that came up in this uh, the one university that I was reading, uh, watching the videos or whatever, listening to and watching. They were talking about it's important to find out when you picking or, for guys when you're picking out a spouse. Same thing for you ladies, picking out a spouse. And I've heard this on another video. This other guy talking about it, but it's important to find a woman who's who does service and is not is willing to serve, um, because that. That is like a huge character trait that shows that they care about others more than themselves. And they can show that before that they can display that character trait before you get married. Then that same character trait is going to be displayed in your marriage with you. If she can't serve complete strangers and doesn't like people, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of some people are shy. Some guys are shy. Some women are shy. Some people are introverts. But you can be an introvert and still serve. All service just showed like a selflessness that you're willing to lay down your life for folks. Uh, something I am being challenged with lately more, just like not always thinking about myself. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. When you, like I said that earlier too, like when you serve, it's more about you than the person, the people that you're serving. Like you learn a lot more about yourself, and there's a lot of growth that happens when you serve others. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of growth that happens. So anyway, here's Naomi, here's Ruth serving Naomi. And then here she is willing to serve some more and work out in the fields and glean the leftovers. Which was a Old Testament law we talked about in like Leviticus or Deuteronomy. Like whenever you're out farming, you're supposed to leave remnants behind. Like don't go back over your grain and your grapes and your harvest. You're not supposed to go back and pick that up. Leave it for the basically the poor folks, the indigent, as my grandpa used to say. All right, here we go. Verse 11, Boaz answered, Boaz answered her, everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land and how you came to people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Verse 13, my Lord, she said, I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. 
And verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz told her, basically the way I read that is I don't have the same. Uh, hey, Carolyn, welcome, welcome. Uh, I'm just in Ruth, Ruth chapter two and we're on verse 13 now. When I read that, when she says, my Lord, she have, I have found favor with you for you have comforted and encouraged. Or what does it say down here? Spoken to the heart of your servant, although I'm not like one of your female servants. I'm kind of curious on when she says I'm not like one of your female servants. What she's talking about, like in her appearance or the fact that I'm assuming she's talking about in that she didn't have the same status as his female servants that had tenure. They had been working in his fields for a while already. And um, for some reason, she stood out to Boaz versus all these other women. There's a lot to learn about Boaz in this whole story, but I'm going to refrain from going there. I, I think Tony Evans might touch on some of it if something comes to my mind. You know what? I'm just going to say it. A couple observations about Boaz real quick. Boaz, Boaz is a single man. I don't know how old Boaz was. I think it will tell us here in a little bit or I can look it up later. But a few things I've learned about Boaz while he's waiting. Like, I'm sure he was wanted to be married and he was probably waiting for a mate because it didn't talk about him already being married. He was single. So Boaz was a single man. He he had a, a position of leadership. He owned a business or he owned an operation. Right. And he knew how to delegate. Apparently, he had people under his authority and and he had a, a lot of he had a lot of opportunities, right? It's like it's not, he could have probably take had any of them women, that was, any of those women that were working in his field. He had a pick of I won't say litter because that's a bad phrase. We'll say he had his pick of um, he had options. So just say that he had options, and I'm sure he had some great options. But he was it sounds like he was waiting on the Lord. He had he had some type of relationship with God where he was waiting on the Lord to send the right person and the right woman and he could have picked from any of those women but he he picked out Ruth I'm gonna keep going verse 14 at mealtime Boaz told her come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce so she sat beside the harvesters and he offered her roasted grain she ate and was satisfied and had some left over she ate and was satisfied and had some left over. I wonder who made this food or this sauce. <laughs> was it him or one of his servants? Uh, my brother and I, we joke about the weight of a woman's heart. They always say a weight of a man's heart is his stomach. But also women love to eat too. He always jokes because his daughter, uh, he'll hit up his kids when he wants to spend time with them because uh, they're teenagers. They're um, they 18 and 19, I think now. And they all grown, right? And so, yeah, sometimes I'll send his son a text and be like, hey, I, I'm doing a Starbucks run. Y'all want some Starbucks? Because they love Starbucks usually. And his son won't reply right away a lot of times. Sometimes he'll won't, don't even, won't even reply. I'm, I'm calling my nephew out. You know who you are if you ever listen, when you ever listen to this. And then his niece, my, my niece, his, his daughter, she'll reply right away and have her whole order ready and then, like, get it from... Uh, my nephew uh, Devonte, whatever. Anyway, Destiny, she'll be like, yeah, she'll she'll be on it. Like anytime my brother said, hey, you want to go out to eat this weekend or whatever, 
she's the first one to reply. He could ask her about anything else and she might not reply right away. But if you ask her about food, she answers. Anyway, verse 15. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stocks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't humiliate her. It's an interesting phrase he uses there. He ordered his young men. So yeah, young men and young women working for him. All right, don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered and it was about 26 quarts or, or about an ephah of barley. She picked up the grain and went into the town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you gather barley today and where did you work? Ah, interesting. All right, I had to go back and look because she earlier Ruth asked Naomi, hey, is it okay if I go into the fields and gather grain behind someone with whom I will find favor? This is blowing me away because it's like Naomi had, I mean, Ruth already had faith that somebody would allow her because she needed permission apparently to do this. You can just go up in anybody's field and just start gleaning and gathering, right? So she had faith that when she went out, that somebody would allow her to do this. And she, once again, she asked for permission from Ruth. There was something about this relationship she had with, I mean, she asked for permission from Naomi. Anyway, there's so much to like pull out of here that I'm just, as I'm reading this. And then her mother-in-law asked her like, hey, where did you go? Where did, where did you gather barley today? And where did you work? May the Lord bless the man who noticed you. All these 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 declarations of blessing. Ruth told her mother Ruth told her mother in law whom she had worked with and said, The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter in law, May the Lord bless him because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. Naomi continued, the man is a close relative. He is one of our one of our family redeemers. I'm just keep going. I'll let Tony uh, break down any, anything else, any cracks that I'm leaving that my, I'm just automatically making a lot of observations here that are just sparking a lot of things in my brain. Verse 21, Ruth, the Moabitess said, he also told me stay with my young men until they have finished all of my harvest. So Naomi Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. So Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, my daughter, it is good for you to work or go out. It is good for you to work or go out with his female servant so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Ruth, see this whole, the way they keep saying this, it makes me think that rape and um, molestation or... um, Attacks on women were common or as I was saying earlier, like sexual harassment. Basically, it doesn't sound like it was safe to be a woman in a field. I'm saying unsafe to be a woman, to be a woman in a field that 
to be a woman in a field, period. Especially in a field that you didn't know the owner. All right. What else is there? What else? How do I? What does it say? All right. So it says Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Or she returned to her mother-in-law. All right, Tony, what you got to say, my friend? What you got to say? So it says Boaz was a wealthy relative of Elimelech. And as Matthew 1, 5 reveals, the son of Rahab, the same former prostitute who hid Israel's spies and survived the collapse of Jericho because of her faith in God. Go back and see Joshua 2. Uh, so, all right. I was just, my brother and I, had, we do this thing. We, we were laughing today because we have this whole thing called the Connect the Dot Gang. And, uh, I, I won't go I won't go too far but this is all I'll say is there's these things in our life that happen and we're just like that wasn't a coincidence That's, isn't that amazing that the God ordered our steps and that you know you can see God's hand in our lives right even the good stuff and the bad stuff so even the little thing little details like the fact that I have the same birthday as my mother-in-law former mother-in-law this all um and like my um well the chance what are the chances of that uh and what else what else is there like little stuff like yeah this guy i met one time he knew he used to live across his grandmother lived across the street from my former wife's grandmother and but we met like a few years ago and we just started talking and this is the small world of things and um, other little details that even just how my my mom and her my stepdad met and the fact that he's so similar to my my dad and they were from the same state and come to find out worked at the same plant <laughs> like it's wild anyway just I'm trying to say is all of our lives are orchestrated by the Lord and he's sovereign he gives us options he gives us choice free will but he already knows the beginning and the end and it still is mind-blowing you could have conversations for days about um predestination and all that election and all that kind of stuff and anyway at the end of the day god it's just amazing how god already knows he orchestrates our life. It's like a tapestry. Everything is connected. So the world tries to call it the universe, but it's ultimately the Lord, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all working together to orchestrate our lives to where we in a in a wild way. We have free choice and free will, but he still in, like he still knows the beginning and end and the choices we're going to make and the people we're going to meet and the day we're going to leave this earth. So anyway, uh, here it is. Rahab, the prostitute from Joshua two one four, she is the uh, she is the mother of Boaz. All right, two two, the law of Moses, as if it had been given with Ruth and Naomi in mind, provided for the poor by commanding the Israelites to leave behind some grain at harvest time, so that the poor could gather it and have food. 
So that's Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, Leviticus 23 through 22, 23, verse 22. Or you can look at Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 21. That's all I was saying earlier. How it's really cool how all these years later, however long it was since that law was put in place by Moses about leaving behind grain for the poor and indigent, as my grandpa says, would affect this whole would be the whole foundation and the premise of how uh, Boaz met his wife, Ruth. It's wild. All right. Seemingly by chance, Ruth happened to find seemingly by chance, Ruth happened. Ruth happened to find herself working in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Of course, nothing happens by chance and no one just happens to be anywhere. The use of happen to be is the author's way of acknowledging the providential working of God in Ruth's life. As I was saying earlier this morning when I was reading Ruth chapter one, that's the biggest difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. When things happen, whether good or bad, the Christian says, God is going to work this all together for my good. He is working actively in my life. And they seek the Lord for guidance and counsel on how to react to situations in their life and everything bad that happens in their life, everything good in their life, everything bad that happens in their life, they realize just like Job, it had to pass through the hand of God. Even if Satan is, is sifting us like we, like he did Peter or doing things are happening in our life. Demons are wreaking havoc and seems to be everything's being lost and stolen and destroyed. Even if us are because of our own bad decisions and free will still it has to pass through the hand of God <laughs> and he is sovereign. So the biggest thing we have control over is how we interact with God and how much we talk to him and and trust him and have faith that he is still going to take this situation and work it for our good. All right. And he's providential and he's omniscient and he's omnipotent in every situation. All right. Boaz essentially told Ruth that she was simply reaping the blessings of the kind of life she had sown. Her kindness, service to her mother-in-law and decision to take refuge under the Lord's provision had brought blessing on her own head. Because of Ruth's faithful commitment, Boaz pronounced a blessing on her, asking that the Lord, under whose wings she had come for protection, would provide a spiritual covering for her. There goes another example of covering. I'm not going to go that deep on that. Let's just keep that in mind. It's going to be a topic as we go through. Keep reading. As a family redeemer or kinsman redeemer, Boaz could fulfill the law of Leverite, uh, Lev, Levirate, Levirate. <laughs> I'm struggling with this word. L-E-V-I-R-A-T-E. Levirate, like Levi, like Levites. Yes, the law of Levirate marriage. This was an ancient provision that meant that if an Israelite man were to die without having a son as an heir to carry on his family, family name, the, na the man's brother could provide the deceased by marrying his widow. Then the first son she bore would carry on the name of the dead brother. So his name would not be blotted out from Israel, which I brought that up in last episode in Ruth chapter one about the whole Aunt Onan situation. How Onan was supposed to sleep with his with his uh, sister-in-law after his brother died. 
and have sex with her, but he spilled a seed on the ground, and it's called the curse of Onan, because, yeah, he ends up get dying, getting struck dead. Uh, for failing to, to follow that law. Go back and read it somewhere, I think, in Genesis 38, or that whole story. Anyway, all right. She told... Naomi decided to become a matchmaker. She told Ruth to go to Boaz's threshing floor that night. The threshing floor. Oh, I'm tripping. That's for chapter three. Those notes are for chapter three. I'm reading ahead. All right, let's hop on. Uh, I think I think we've already. I think I've uh, said enough about dissected Ruth chapter two enough. But the biggest takeaways I hope y'all get from this whole thing. If you didn't get anything from this, it's that nothing that happens in your life is a coincidence absolutely nothing and um the world will say karma and the universe and all that stuff give credit to where credit is due it's the hand of the sovereign god that is orchestrating because the yeah the word the bible talks about how the steps of a righteous man or woman person are ordered by the lord so we can see that all over naomi's life and all over ruthless life and the beautiful thing about it is here we had in chapter one, Ruth, I mean, Naomi was was bitter and sad and depressed. I'm sure both of these women were depressed and sad, but Naomi seemed to be more depressed than than Ruth was. Ruth seemed to have a lot more faith and a lot more um, optimism than uh, Naomi did. And uh, we see that Naomi is about to be blessed and experience experience the joy of the Lord through her daughter-in-law, which is another cool thing is a lot of times we can experience joy and blessing by seeing somebody else blessed close to us and seeing how they walk through tragedies and trials and tribulations. So I right, just hop on the Romans road to salvation. Uh, Romans three, even though I have these memorized for the most part, I like to just read it because sometimes every once in a while I, I fumble on some words. So uh, and I want to get this right. <laughs> it's easier. All right. So Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or miss the mark like an archer missing the target or somebody shooting a gun at a target is way off. You don't even hit the target. We all at the at the bullseye is our uh, following the Lord and what he desires for us to do. All of us have missed the bullseye. Everybody, everybody is deserves hell. As simple as that. Romans six twenty three says, "For the wages of sin are missing the mark. the The wages, the cost of missing that mark, hitting, not hitting the bullseye, is death, eternal death. All because of Adam and Eve, our great 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 grandparents. But the gift of God, the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord." Romans five eight says, "But God." demonstrated his love toward us he showed his love toward us because more caught is than taught he could have just said he loved us but he didn't just say it god came down to earth in the form of a man he was fully god and fully man jesus i don't fully comprehend and understand it the trinity is beyond my understanding beyond human comprehension but you have to have faith to believe it that he came to earth and he showed his love and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, he decided to die for us. I was just telling my brother, I was like, hey, there's no way in the world I would, one, as soon as that first whip 
well, shoot, as soon as they put the shackles on me and then whip me with that cat of nine tails for the first time, I would have been out. I'd be like, guy, you got to pick somebody else because I ain't the one. I Like, for real. And then, not only that, he carried a cross on his back. Yeah, he was lied on, spit on, persecuted, treated wrong. And then he carried a cross up a hill, still being whipped as he carried it. And then he took nails in his hands and in his feet and was pierced in his side. I don't know anybody that would do that. Nobody. But he showed his love toward us by doing the ultimate form of showing love by dying for us. And then even folks that didn't care about him. And then Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in our heart that God has raised us from the dead, we shall be saved. <laughs> For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Got a cleaning crew coming in. So uh, you can simply say this prayer. Dear Lord, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone is my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Then lastly, Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That includes everybody. So. Thank y'all. Thank you, uh, Carolyn, for coming in. Jay Michael, I just saw you sneak in. Appreciate you stopping by. Um, hope y'all had an amazing day. And I will be back in the morning. Yeah, I'll be back in the morning for... Uh, what will I be back in the morning for? What was going to be back in the morning for? Oh, for another episode of Chew the Bible. Bright and early. Talk to you later.